Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Newell. On the way to church this morning, I was impressed by 1 Peter 2.17 that says, love the brotherhood. It's got four sentences in one verse, and one of the middle sentences is, love the brotherhood. Amen. And you've just had eight of your brothers. Eight of your brothers. That's the way the Lord has led us about this church. It is not a one-pony show. It is love of the brotherhood. And you've eight brothers already participated in this service. And I hope that you've all been moved and provoked by all of them. Adam and I did not have any collusion on Psalm 102. I put it in the preparation last night as a psalm that you could look at. I do not ask the young men what psalm they're going to do because I want to leave it up to the Lord. And he had already picked Psalm 102. I picked it late, but I suggested it for you to read. And Sherry and I went over it last night in our preparation for today. In Psalm 102, Adam told you about all the changes that are going to take place, but he won't change. Did you notice his little paragraph there about all the changes that are coming, our bodies and, and the whole universe? That is because of the yay and amen. amen. He told you that that's in Hebrews chapter 1. That is the Lord Jesus Christ that makes that happen. Unusual for me, I'm going to tell you exactly how long I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach for exactly 40 minutes, and I'm going to quit at 10, 25. And if I make it to the, my goal, or if I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm preaching for 40 minutes, because in 40 minutes, we're going to sing a song and tell the Lord Jesus Christ we want him to come back soon. Okay, so now that I'm committed, we'll see if I can keep my word this time. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We are going to end this series today, no matter how far I get or don't get. While we were finishing up the series on Isaiah for the last month or two, the Lord impressed upon me this 20th verse of 2 Corinthians 1.20. I wish that every day was like the best day I've ever had spiritually, but it, it can't be. It wasn't for anyone in the Bible. So I'm not all that surprised, but I couldn't read the verse for the last two months of preaching Isaiah to you without bawling. You say, what is there in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that would make you cry? You don't look like you cry very often. I couldn't read it couldn't read it. And I wanted to share it so badly with you. And if, if I didn't convey it in a way that caused you to glory in the Lord Jesus Christ in a different way through this text, I'm sorry, because the last thing I ever want to do is detract from the precious Word of God. It is a wonderful verse. Amen. And so I start right there very quickly to remind us about these messages for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. God has made many promises, and they are contained in the Bible from beginning to end. The first, the first promises were of death, and then the first promises were of a victor over Satan in Genesis chapter 3, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. All the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen. And so God made many promises. He turned, the, he turned everything over, all judgment, all authority was given to the Lord Jesus Christ, a man like us, 
in heaven. This makes the drama so special. There is a man in heaven at this hour that has unlimited authority with only the exception of God the Father himself. Everyone else is under him and far under him because it says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he was promoted and raised far above all principality and power. And so it's the Lord Jesus Christ that executes the promises of God. For all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. Because he is absolutely true and certain and faithful and always does what he promised to do and always does everything God told him to do. And so everything is certain in our religion unto the glory of God. God arranged it this way for his glory by choosing a man and putting him over Satan and putting him over the universe. So I want you to see the parts of the verse. For all the promises of God, you understand that God promised many things, are in Him, yea, and in Him, amen, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the executor of the will of the Father. Unto the glory of God, God arranged it this way for His own glory. Everything God has ever arranged is for His own glory, which even through His Son is to His glory by us means We get to preach this glorious stuff. The by us is the apostles from the 19th verse. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. Our preaching was entirely certain and positive, and there wasn't any doubt about it. There wasn't any fickleness to it. And so for the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, under the glory of God by us, we get to declare to you glad tidings that God has made promises and Jesus Christ will execute every single one of them. Verse 21, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. The last verse of Psalm 102, Thy seed shall be established. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, together with the Corinthians, were established by God in Christ Jesus and anointed to be kings and priests together. It didn't matter that Paul was up here as an apostle. He was also down here as our beloved brother Paul, as Peter would call him, and the Corinthian believers. They were all established in Christ Jesus forever. He's our yea and amen. We have a foundation that's the rock Christ Jesus and can never be moved. And we have been anointed as kings and priests. All the kings in the Bible were anointed. All the priests in the Bible were anointed. We've been anointed as both, as I read to you from Revelation chapter 1. Okay? It's all certain through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the next verse. Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now this sealing is one glorious thing. He has sealed us. A seal. A royal insignia of a king declaring an object under his jurisdiction and ownership. Oh, I just want to read it again to you. A royal insignia of a king declaring an object under his jurisdiction and ownership. Do you remember when Pilate sealed the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ with the seal of the Roman Empire? It didn't matter much to the Lord Jesus Christ because our Jesus Christ is the yea and the amen and Pilate is the what is truth. Oh, that's terrible. What a difference between those rulers. 
And so we have been sealed, that 22nd verse, who hath also sealed us. He's not only established us in Christ, God has. He's not only anointed us, he's also sealed us by putting a royal insignia upon us that we are the Lord Jesus Christ's property. Jesus I know, Paul I know, the Church of Greenville I know, who are you? Because we have the seal upon us, the seal of being the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's the evidence of that seal? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit, the earnest given to us, the down payment to prove serious intentions, and to guarantee future performance. And I have a whole string of verses here, many of them, that I could refer to right now that, call, that says the same thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 5, Ephesians chapter 1 are two prime places to go to to see the seal of the Holy Spirit upon us that we are Jesus Christ. But I want to get into a few more of the 33 works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Time goes so fast when you're having fun. I, if you're having half as much fun as I am, then time is going fast for you because it's going very fast for me. The, this is the gospel, the good news and glad tidings of good things. And we need to fill ourselves with it more than anything else. If you give yourselves two hours a week to look at the junk of the world, then you should give yourself four hours a week or something like that for the good news of the gospel. It'll keep you sober and sane. It'll keep your feet on solid ground. It'll keep your mind and heart in the right place. Otherwise, you can be pulled away. We're also vulnerable to be pulling, being pulled away by all kinds of things. Lord, help every single one of us. Ephesians chapter 1. The safest place to be is accepted in the Beloved. Okay, we know that. And I just want to share that with you. For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen. Under the glory of God by us. One of the promises of God is adopting children to be His own. And that is a predestinating purpose and plan of God before the world began, but it is executed by the Lord Jesus Christ by us being put in Him and being made acceptable to God by Him. So, in verse 5, we read, "...having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will," that's God the Father, that's Almighty God, "...to the praise of the glory of His grace," see, everything is to the glory of God's grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. And the Lord Jesus Christ made us accepted in Himself, He's the Beloved, this is my beloved son. Remember how we were taught so many times we need to accept Jesus in order for God to accept us into heaven? No. God had to put us in Jesus Christ who made us acceptable to God. Right. When we meet Jesus Christ, when we meet God, the question is going to be, are we accepted by God, not whether we accepted God? Right. Right. The, the difference is huge between Arminianism and Calvinism and, and, and what we believe here in this text, Ephesians 1.6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted. He didn't offer salvation to us. He put us in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then all that was left was, would Jesus Christ perform what was necessary for us to be accepted? And Jesus did. Right. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended up into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God, so we are accepted in the Beloved. Amen. He is the yea and the amen of our acceptation. I hope that you remember from two weeks ago, when I took you through 1 John chapter 5, especially verses 6 through 8, 
that there are three witnesses in heaven and earth that testify of the yea and the amen. There are three that bear record in heaven. I pick on the middle verse. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And what do those three bear witness of? The Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father came down upon the Lord Jesus Christ at His baptism. The Holy Spirit of God was around Him, in Him, through Him, without measure, His entire ministry, to prove that He was the Son of God. Verse 6. Verse 8. Why do we have baptism and the Lord's Supper in our church? Because they're further witnesses of the yea and the amen. Everything is around the man, Christ Jesus, who is our mediator, that God chose to save us. I'm telling you, we were reminded of this past week of death. Death is coming for every single one of us. Who's next? Who's going to go next? I don't speak it lightly. I don't speak it cruelly. Who's going to be the next one to die in this assembly? You're going to meet God, but you'll be accepted through the yay and the amen. And I want you to put all your trust in Him and all your hope in Him. There's nothing to fear. Lord, give us the confidence in your Son. He deserves all our confidence. There's nothing weak about Him. There's nothing unfaithful about Him. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. The resurrection chapter of the Bible. 58 verses short. Once you get into 1 Corinthians 15, you don't want to come out of it. It's wonderful. It's all about the resurrection of the body. We believe something that other religions don't believe. And we have it by revelation, and we have it by example. The Lord Jesus Christ proved that it can be done because He's the first fruits of them that slept. He's the first begotten of the dead. As I showed you from Revelation chapter 1, He not only taught it, He did it. And He knew He was going to do it. Even Abraham knew it. Abraham knew that if I were to kill Isaac, God will raise him from the dead. Because he knew that the promises were in Isaac. And do you know what promises were in Isaac? Now be careful. This is going to be a very difficult question. What promises were in Isaac? That Abraham, the yay and amen was going to come through. Oh, yes, Matthew. That's why you're my brother. Oh, yes. Amen, amen brother. Because the yay and the amen was going to come through Isaac. Abraham knew. You know, he raised his knife to slay his son. And he was willing to bring it down. The Bible tells us he was going to kill him. And the Lord had to call to him and say, don't do it. Because he was going to do it. Because the Bible tells us he knew that God could raise him from the dead because he had to be raised from the dead just like his seed had to be raised from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. So when this... Let's back up to... uh, No, it's too many verses. Verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, you are corruptible... You stink, that's why you take a shower. You're mortal, that's why you die. But we're going to put on incorruption, no more showers. We're going to put on immortality, no more death or funerals. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. You know, sometimes we say, such and such a team could eat such and such a team for breakfast. Sometimes we say, this boxer could eat that boxer for lunch. Well, this is the Lord saying the same thing. Death is swallowed up in victory. It's not just gnawed on a little bit. It's swallowed up and destroyed and passed on. Swallowed up. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory 
through a particular means, through a particular person, through the yea and the amen, amen. through our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can mock death. He already took on death. He gave up his spirit. He laid down his life. They took it from him. They murdered him. They slew him. The Bible says that 20 times. But he gave it to them by letting them kill him on the cross of Calvary. And because of that, he was put in a tomb, stayed there for the allotted amount of time that God had told him to stay there. Like Like Jonah was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights. He was in the belly of the earth. And then he came out. And we have victory because of that over death so that we can mock it. We can mock death in the grave by the yea and the amen. Remember, this is written in Hosea 13, 14 and in Isaiah 25 and verse 8 where it says here, the saying is brought to pass, death is swallowed up in victory. Now how could that be written in the Old Testament? Because it was a promise of God that was brought to pass by the Lord Jesus Christ making it possible. And he's the first fruits of them that slept and them that sleep. So he went first, and we're coming behind him. And we will be behind him. Paul was not ashamed or timid to mock death and grave, though he was mortal at the time. Isn't that something? A mortal man can mock death and the grave like this because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul borrowed his boast from contemporaries Isaiah and Hosea in the Bible. The victory over death and the grave, over sin and the law, is through the yea and the amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I jumped ahead a few weeks ago to show you that we can deny all the yea and nay doctrines of devilish men. Our our religion is yea and amen. Their religion is yea and nay. Remember? Did Did Jesus die for everyone? They say yea. Even for those in hell? I'm not so sure. That's a yea and a nay theology. That's a yea and a nay soteriology. And on and on it goes. And I went through it once before, so I don't need to do it again because we're halfway home. That's how fast it happens. I hope you know that baptism is to symbolize the work of the yea and the amen. I make sure that everyone I ever baptize understands that when I bury them under the water and raise them up again, out of that water, they are first of all showing a picture of burial and resurrection of the yea and the amen, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that they are showing a picture, third of all, of the fact that if they were to die in this world and be buried in a cemetery, the yea and the amen is coming after them to pull that body up out of that cemetery. And in the middle, of course, is to bury our old man and to rise to walk in newness of life. There's three pictures of death and burial and resurrection in baptism but I want you to see how it is centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, the yea and the amen. Communion is to remember the yea and the amen promises. We are to remember his death until he comes. We are remembering the death of the yea and the amen. If he had not died for us, he wouldn't have paid for our sins, for the wages of sin is death. But Jesus Christ did die for us, and he did rise from the dead. And so next Sunday when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are celebrating the death of the yea and the amen. And he went right through that curtain of death, willingly, knowingly, ready to do it and to take on death, and he took it on and and won the victory over it. He wasn't afraid to die. Another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at other things that the Bible tells us.
I appreciate David Castleberry having a discussion with me about this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. Right. Now what is it? Are all things of God the Father, or are all things by Jesus Christ? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Both are true. Both are true because all the promises come from and all the performance and plans and design comes from Almighty God. But the executor of it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. So it's all of Him, but it's executed by Him. Of God, by Christ. And it's just beautiful here. There's, there's much more that could be said. And we did share a number of things between us about it. What is of whom are all things and we in Him mean about God the Father? And what does by whom are all things and we by Him mean about our Lord Jesus? We know that Jesus Christ created all things because John chapter 1 tells us that the Word made all things and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1.3, Ephesians 3.9 says all things were created by Jesus Christ. However, when God the Father and Jesus are viewed together by the Apostle, and you can find this in other places than just here, the Son becomes the operative agent of the Father in the divine work of creation. Thus the Holy Spirit of inspiration kept some authority and priority of the Father over the Son when they appear in the same place, which we know exists in heaven for Jesus our mediator. Because this is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ includes humanity. I hope you understand that. That there is a preeminence in God that Jesus is subordinate to, though he is not subordinate to anything else. In just for those of you that are still are wondering, flip over a few pages to 1 Corinthians 15, 28. 15, 28, let me get this out of the way. It's a distraction. You should know this. There, God is preeminent over all, including the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is preeminent over all, except God his Father. And there's a great argument here for our doctrine of sonship, but it's too long and it's too distracting for me to bring up right now. But it is, it's in 1 Corinthians 8, 6. It's beautiful. If you know how they try to reason about eternal sonship. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and share it. But it's going to be very brief. They say, they say that God the Father generating God the Son in eternity does not make the Son subordinate. Because they're trying to protect themselves from a created God. He's not subordinate. But he is subordinate. Yes, brother. He is subordinate. 1 Corinthians 15, 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Then there'll be a distinction between God and the man, the man Christ Jesus in heaven. You've got to keep that in mind. The Son is subordinate to the Father. They say in their doctrine, because they're so afraid of heresy, he is not subordinate. When we say God generated the second person in the Trinity, we're not saying that it's God number one and God number two, and God number two is less than God number one because there is no subordination in the Son. But the Bible says the Son is subordinate. 
because the son needs a human nature or he's not a son because God did not generate the word of God. The word of God is God, was God, and is undivided, ungenerated God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. It's not the word was the son of God. It wasn't the word was generated by God. The word was God. It's not until the word became flesh that God had a son. And so you got to run down John 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. There wasn't a begetting until the word was made flesh in John 1, 14. I, let's get off that point. It does help the yea and the amen to be the God man with the word made flesh, doesn't it, though? So it wasn't wasted time. The Father and Word are equal in the Godhead, but the incarnation forces a relationship. And so it is said, as it is here, the origin, the plan, the priority, the purpose, the design, the intention of creation was in the Father's eternal counsel, the Trinity. So it reads, of whom are all things. But the Father used the Son in his divine nature, but called here by his incarnate name to execute the creation, so it is said, by whom are all things. The origin of the design and the plan was in the Father, but the Son executed it for him. And so when you look at that, that is so beautiful. Remember, for all the promises of God, it starts with God. For all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen, under the glory of God. Here it says, To us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him, who made us accepted into the family of God. It's God's family, and we're in him. But who made us acceptable into him? All by Jesus Christ. How was everything created? It was planned by God, executed by Jesus Christ. When God the Father is put in a verse along with the Lord Jesus Christ, our incarnate Redeemer, you see a little bit of distinction for you to see how it works. Which brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When was the last time you had a verse in the Bible that when you read it you cried? I'm waiting for the Lord to give me the next one. I was halfway there with Enoch last night, but not quite. To know that Enoch described the yea and the amen coming with ten thousands of his saints. Right. And for those of you that are confused by thinking that means he's coming with his redeemed family, it's angels. And if you'll go back to Deuteronomy chapter 33, you will find out that the law was given on Mount Sinai by thousands of angels. And then that is quoted throughout the rest of the Bible as angels or saints. And you know from 2 Thessalonians 1 that Jesus Christ is coming from heaven with his mighty angels. You say, I need another verse. Okay. In Matthew 13, in all those parables, when Jesus was explaining the wheat and the tares and the good fish and the bad fish, did he explain to his apostles, you aren't good enough to make the distinction, but the angels will? Okay, there we go. It's angels that have to come because they can make the distinction very clearly between the righteous and the wicked. I got off track on that. I, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Let me back up. 
When was the last time you found a verse in the Bible that would bring you to tears? This is the greatest book ever written. Amen. I, I've actually heard that women can cry reading romance novels. They can actually cry reading a lie about a man that's never existed. It's sad. Why can't we cry about this? If you don't cry about this once in a while, what's wrong with you? There's no fault with this. Lord, send us more verses. Show us more verses. Open our eyes that we may hold wondrous things out of thy law and shed tears of joy or tears of sorrow about our sins. Do you remember how they wept when Nehemiah, they preached in Nehemiah chapter 8? They wept. And Ezra and Nehemiah had to tell them to stop weeping. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I wrote you this week about Christian joy. Where's the joy on your face? You can't have it in your heart if it's not on your face. It's impossible. You're anatomically connected. That when it's in your heart, it shows on your face. The Bible says so. Enough about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 18, and all things are of God. Now does that, you know why I went to this verse after that other one, don't you? 1 Corinthians 8, 6 said that we believe there's only one God, the Father, and of whom are all things. And all things are of God. So let's move from creation. Who's the yea and the amen of creation? I left that point, I left that point off from 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Who is the yea and the amen of creation? The Lord Jesus Christ is. Because he's the executor, the executive agent that executed creation for the Father. Right. All things are by him. But now we have another work, and it's not creation. It's a better work. It's reconciliation. Amen. And we need to be reconciled to God. And all things are of God. And so it originated with God. Its plan is with God. Its promise is with God who hath reconciled us to himself by. Notice the, by. Notice the of and the by throughout the Bible. It all originated in this independent being called Jehovah. I am that I am. He is alone in the universe. He is alone in eternity. The Bible says he inhabits eternity. And he said, I'm going to create a drama to display to rational creatures the infinite degrees of my wrath and power against sin and my love and mercy toward rebel enemies. And I will do it through the vehicle of one of the fallen race I will create. And so it was of him, but executed by Jesus Christ, or this universe wouldn't be here. He wanted to display to rational creatures, men and angels, not animals. Their spirit goes down to the earth and they're over and kaput completely. Rational creatures, angels and men who can think and reason and witness something very great. And so it is of God's plan to do this. And I am going to have a son out of those rebel enemies that I will create and put on a little tiny planet called earth, the little blue spot and he will save my elect people and they will be my children forever in this universe and there will be such a chasm drawn between the saved and the unsaved such a chasm between the holy and elect angels and the devils and i'll get me glory and i'm going to do it by jesus christ 
all things are of God. That's where it originated. Who hath reconciled us to himself. It is done and executed, not originated, executed by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. See the, the by us. The last two words of 2 Corinthians 1.20 we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he, God, hath made him, the yea and the amen, to be sin for us, who, the yea and the amen, knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in the yea and the amen. amen. And so we're saved that way. We're reconciled to God. And all preachers do is bring the news of it. God is reconciled. Stop thinking that you're guilty. Stop thinking that you're going to hell. God is reconciled by Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling. The reconciliation was done in Christ. The reconciliation is completed and perfected forever in Christ because he's at the right hand of the Father. So he's the yea and the amen of our reconciliation. The Bible says a great deal about angels, but Jesus is their head. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. The yea and the amen controls the angelic armies. He is now the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of hosts. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22. Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Therefore, every promise made about angels serving us is guaranteed by Jesus Christ because he's their commander-in-chief. He tells them to go, and they go. He tells them to stay, and they stay. Jesus could say that every one of those little ones that believed on him had an angel always beholding the face of their father in heaven. Jesus said it. Why? Because he's in charge of the angels. Right. He knows exactly what they're doing. Can you imagine any of you children that believe on Jesus Christ right now? Yes, I'm going to look at you. I'll not save your name to save you the embarrassment. I hope not too many look for where I'm looking. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's an angel in the presence of Almighty God the Father just waiting for the Father to give him any instruction to take care of you. Their angels do always behold my Father's face in heaven. Don't you think because you're so young that you can't pray? Didn't you hear your older brother, Adam, direct that psalm to you? He used that psalm for you today. I'm still talking to you. I'm going to say your name if you turn away again. <laughs> Go to that father. Go to him every day of your life for the rest of your life. And go in the name of Jesus Christ because he's the captain of the angels. He's the Lord of hosts. You're protected forever. Okay? Or more. Thank you, Almighty God. Amen. We're on the inner circle, and the angels are our servants. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 16. Nope, let's go to Acts 20. Remember, I'm running out of time, and you know I am, because those of you that have watches, and you're looking at your Bible, but you have a phone, you have a time, a clock ticking on it. Acts chapter 20, 
The yea and the amen is the foundation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the foundation of the church of God. The church in the New Testament is called the church of God in places, and it's called the church of Jesus Christ in places. I could take you to Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus, the yea and the amen, said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I want to go to this verse, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. You should be merciful with the word of God and, and stop thinking that you have a handle or a corner on some aspect of it when there are other places in the Bible that flatly contradict you. And this is one. Does God have blood? Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Does God have blood? Only through the yea and the amen. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen. Unto the glory of God by us. That is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the Lord Jesus Christ God? Yes, he was. Is he man? Yes, he was. Is he the God man? Was the fullness of the Godhead in him in a body? Colossians 2, 9, yes. The fullness of the Godhead was in him bodily. And so it can word it this way, and we understand it because we know the rest of the Bible. Make sure that every verse you ever claim that you understand fits everything else in the Bible. And so the, the foundation of the church of God is built on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his identity. Because he said to Peter, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, Simon Peter, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church. What is this rock upon which Jesus built his church? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right. And that is the message. Remember two weeks ago from 1 John 5, 6 through 8, the three witnesses times three verses, nine witnesses, that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter testified that because God revealed it to him. A few verses later, Jesus had to say to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. And so Peter had a lot of influences in his life. But flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. But the statement, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, is the foundation of the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go back there. 1 Corinthians 15. Adam told us this morning that we're going to be changed. Oh yes, we're going to be changed. We shall be changed. It's in verse 51. We shall be changed. Look at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's the heavenly kingdom. That's not the earthly kingdom of the spiritual reign of Jesus Christ over us. Because flesh and blood down here is in that kingdom. But it's the everlasting kingdom. It's where the spirits of just men are made perfect. Neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. That is something the world doesn't understand, but we understand. We shall not all sleep. We will not remain in the grave forever, but we shall all be changed. Whether we're alive or whether we're in the grave, we're going to be changed. Our bodies will be changed to be able to be accepted into heaven. And what, who is that by? It comes right down to verse 57 again. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. He's the originator of the plan. He's the promiser of the event. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ that executes it. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
First Timothy 6, and I close. I'll be happy with how far we got. I've chosen to be happy. So much more can be said. With a little bit of work, I could squeeze the entire Bible into 2 Corinthians 1.20. It's a line in my outline. If I could live long enough, I could squeeze the whole, the whole Bible into it. Because all things are of God, but he executed by Jesus Christ. And that Jesus was mentioned as early as Genesis chapter 3. And as you found out last night, even Enoch knew he was coming. Because who's coming, God or Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is coming, and he says he's coming with ten thousands of his saints. Way back then. Did you like that? Thinking about um, Enoch and Adam living side by side in the same subdivision for 308 years? It's fun. Think, the, hey, the genealogies are in the Bible. We might as well make use of them once in a while. First, First Timothy chapter 6. As a minister, the strongest language in the Bible sometimes is in these pastoral epistles where there are charges like this given to Timothy. Verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, because he's the yea and the amen, he's the faithful and the true witness. He said everything that was true about himself. I give thee charge that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting, Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ in his glorified state as the Son of God and God the Word himself. Amen. This is our yea and amen. To whom be honor and power everlasting. And to whom be riches and wisdom and blessing and power and dominion forever and ever. As we opened earlier this morning from Revelation chapter 1. I hope you'll never forget. We're going to vote for a president in 100 days. There's other men that we put some degree of confidence in. But there's only one man that you can fully trust. And that is the man Christ Jesus. And he is the yea and the amen of God. He is the executor of every aspect of God's plan and God's promises. For all the promises of God, in him are yea. And in him, amen, under the glory of God by us. And I leave it in your hands, Heavenly Father. Let us sing. Brother?